Hello and welcome to Autism Matters, the official podcast series for autism, the International Journal of Research and Practice. I'm your host, Laura Crane, and I'm really pleased to have Dr. Sue Fletcher Watson joining me today. Sue's a researcher at the University of Edinburgh, where she leads the DART Lab, which stands for Development, Autism, Research and Technology. Within DART, Sue carries out autism research in a huge range of areas, including technology, interventions, social attention, and more recently, bilingualism. However, today Sue's here to talk about a paper that she's recently had published in our journal on attitudes of the autism community to early autism research. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. I'm pleased to be doing this. Now, in your article, you mentioned that a significant focus of current research is on describing the early signs of autism. So signs that can be picked up from birth to around the age of three. And the way that autism researchers tend to do this is to focus on what they call at-risk groups. Can you explain what an at-risk group is and why studies of these at-risk groups are so important? Essentially, the, the context is quite important here. We can't diagnose autism reliably in toddlers and not at all in babies. And prevalence of autism is somewhere around 1%. So that means if you want to find out what an autistic child looks like, very early on in their life. If you recruited, say, a thousand babies at birth and followed them up until three or four years old, you'd only get 10 who ended up with a diagnosis of autism. So simply from a kind of practical point of view, it makes sense to recruit babies who are more likely than most to get an autism diagnosis later on. And often that means that they are the younger brothers and sisters of children who already have an autism diagnosis. And they're known as at-risk groups in the sense that they're more likely to get an autism diagnosis. But one of the key points that came out of our survey study and the focus groups that we did preparing for the survey was that this isn't really a preferred term because obviously it comes with this suggestion that the the outcome of autism is is something to be avoided and something unfortunate. And, And so we're trying to move towards a more neutral form of language. So talking about your survey, this is a really unique study because of the international nature of this work. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this? Yes, the study came out of a project funded by the European Cooperation on Science and Technology. And they funded a group of European researchers from from 20 different countries, led by Tony Charman, essentially to kind of build collaborations across Europe to improve the scientific understanding of early autism. And this is because, like I mentioned earlier, the numbers are a big issue. And so we feel like collaborating across different countries is an important way to try and get those numbers up and and increase the validity of what what we can say about early autism. So because we had this kind of pan-European community of researchers all interested in the very specific field of early autism, we thought this was an opportunity to do a big survey that would engage with the autism community across the whole continent. And it was really thanks to members of that network volunteering their time and effort. There was no independent funding for the survey itself. People volunteered to translate the the survey questions into their languages and circulate them around their kind of networks of people with autism and practitioners and parents and so on. And, And we're very grateful to all of them for the work that they put into that. 
And what this collaboration allowed you to achieve was that you developed this survey of over 2,300 members of the autism community, so autistic adults, parents and professionals, and you found that these groups were generally supportive of early autism research. But what in particular did they want to see from this work? You're right, Laura, they were very supportive of early autism research. In fact, they were so supportive that it made the data quite hard to analyse because... um, you always want a bit of variability in your responses. That means you've got more to work with. But our our sample were really enthusiastic about the work we were doing. In terms of specific research questions, the groups were mostly interested in getting answers to questions which could lead to an earlier diagnosis of autism. So things like identifying the very earliest signs of autism and looking into things like the genetic components of, of the condition. And this isn't really surprising because we also found that the average age um, that children in the in the survey had been diagnosed. So that's specifically the parents who responded to the survey. They reported that their children had been diagnosed on average at about five years old, even though more than 50 percent of them reported that they had detected signs within the family at less than two years old. So these families are obviously experiencing concerns about their child's development at quite a young age, but those aren't being sort of validated by the system, if you like, until quite a bit later. And you can easily imagine how how stressful that must be as an experience for a parent. Did you find any differences between the respondents from the different countries that completed your survey in regards to that, or was everything broadly consistent? It was actually quite tricky looking for differences between the countries because um, there's so much variation in terms of the services that different countries provide, for example, like differences in age of diagnosis between countries, it's then very hard to draw conclusions in terms of what that actually means. But one of the things that we did look at was the relationship between service quality ratings and support for research. So we expected people who were pretty unimpressed by their local services, so things like education services or health services in their local region. We expected those people to perceive more need for research and so therefore we thought they would rate research more highly. But in fact we found that if people didn't think their local services were that good, they were also less positive about research. And we wondered whether that means that they sort of perceive us all as being part of the establishment, kind of tarred with the same brush. You know, so if the health and education services aren't very good quality, perhaps those people are also more likely to assume that the academic establishment haven't got much to offer either. And who can blame them for that, I suppose? One of the things that I wanted to mention before we wrap up, because I think it's one of the most striking findings from your data, was the fact that the opinions of the different groups, so the autistic adults, the parents and the professionals, their views seem to be broadly consistent. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, it it was surprising to us as well how much consensus there was. And it's really heartening for researchers and I think for the community to see these levels of overlap because it suggests, you know, if, if there's a consistent message coming out of the autistic community, that's that's a a message that we can respond to. There were some differences that emerged. So, for example, autistic adults were slightly less positive overall about the research than some of the other groups. And they were, in terms of what they felt was really important, they were less focused on 
early markers of autism, but instead on wanting a sort of comprehensive understanding of how children with autism develop differently. Um, so drawing on my experience of running the focus groups as well that we did before the survey, I would say that maybe autistic adults are looking for a more sort of descriptive or holistic approach to understanding early autism that's a bit less focused on this idea of kind of specific markers or targets early in development. Thanks, Sue. Before we wrap up, I just wondered if you could tell us what's the take home message from this research? One message, at least, is a really powerful endorsement of research from the autism and autistic communities, which is obviously incredibly pleasing. I think that researchers need to recognise how well-informed and thoughtful this community is in its approach to research. The, the kind of priorities of the autism community aligned very closely with what we understand researchers also think are important. One of the things that we hope to do with the results is to distill some of the findings from the survey into a practical guide for researchers who are working in the field. And we also hope that researchers in other sort of subdomains within autism research might be inspired to engage in studies like this in the future so that we can get a sense of what the autism community really want from researchers. Sue, thank you so much for joining me today. You can find out more about Sue's work in her article entitled Attitudes of the Autism Community to Early Autism Research, which is available on our website, aut.sagepub.com. You can also find out more about Sue's work by visiting her website, www.dart.ed.ac.uk. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.